You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. Welcome again, everyone. We, we are now in the third week of Easter. Uh, it's helpful to understand that Easter is not just a single day, that Easter is a whole season. It's actually seven weeks, about 50 days, until the day of Pentecost, and then we are no longer in the season of Easter. So each Sunday right now, we are still reading texts from our Gospel readings that involve the risen Jesus encountering disciples. Once again, this week, we read now from the Gospel of Luke, this scene where Jesus appears rather suddenly in front of the apostles and uh, the other disciples in these hours after the resurrection. And he startles them. And uh, he reassures them. He eats in front of them. He says, I am flesh and bone, I'm not a ghost. And then he does this, and then this is going to be the, the focus of my message this morning. It says, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. In other words, Jesus had a Bible study with them on that night. If they were going to understand what all of this meant or understand why their teacher, who had just been killed a couple days earlier, was now standing in front of them and eating broiled fish, they needed to have a Bible study. But this would be a different kind of Bible study. This would be a Bible study where they would finally understand these passages of Scripture, what they truly meant, that they had been pointing to Jesus all along. But in order to do that, he needed to open their minds so that they could understand. I can relate to this. There are certain concepts that we just do not get at first. We cannot grasp them. And then sometimes later, we are able to understand those things. For example, um, when I was a kid, there were certain movies that I watched over and over and over again. And one of those movies as a child that I saw many, many times was this movie, Back to the Future. And of course, you know that this movie came out in 1985. And uh, in this movie, the main character, Marty McFly, played by Michael J. Fox, he's accidentally sent back in time to 1955 in the time machine that his friend, Doc Brown, had made and uh, the time machine was a DeLorean, a car. Now, it's funny because as a kid, I thought that a DeLorean was a time machine. I didn't understand that that was, a car, that was an actual car that you could buy because uh, there weren't many of those at the time. So I didn't really understand that. Now, I can remember this one thing. One night we watched this movie at my house. My aunt was babysitting on this night. Perhaps the movie had just come on television or something like that. So we watched the movie. And then I said to my aunt, Aunt Nancy, I said, I don't get it. And she said, well, what, what don't you get? 
and I was maybe six years old or seven years old at the time, I said, I don't get the title of the movie. I don't understand how you can go back to the future. And so my aunt patiently tried to explain to me. For about 10 minutes, she told me what happened in the movie and why that's the title of the movie. And she said, do you understand? And I said, yeah, I think I get it. But just one thing, how can you go back to the future? Now, of course, when I got a little bit older, I was able to understand. Uh, Marty McFly was in the wrong time. He was stuck in 1955, and he needed to get back to 1985. He needed to go back to the future. But actually, if you think about it, he needed to go back to the present. That's where he was trying to get back to. So the movie should actually be called Back to the Present. But that doesn't sound very cool, does it? It's not a very good movie title. So it was Back to the Future. But there is another reason why it's called Back to the Future. The line in the movie about going back to the future, that was not spoken by Marty. It was spoken by Doc Brown, the 1955 version of Doc Brown. And from his perspective, he needed to get Marty back to the future. Because that's where Marty had come from, come from the future. So from his perspective, the title makes sense. Are you confused yet? Okay, I guess you're not confused. You all understand. Wonderful. So as a little kid, it took me a little while to get there. But then finally, I did get there. Now, two things really quickly about this movie make me feel really old. Uh, the first one is that when I watched it and he went back to the 50s, I always thought that looked like ancient history. There were jukeboxes, there were diners, there were these uh, guys called greasers. They had greased hair and they had roll up their, their white t-shirt sleeve arms. And I thought, my goodness, that must have been from a thousand years ago. I couldn't even imagine. And actually it was just 30 years that he went back. Well, guess what? It's been over 30 years since this movie came out. In the sequel, when he goes to the future, he goes to 2015. We're past that. Wow. So that makes me feel old. The second thing that makes me feel old is that uh, when I went to Taiwan and I met Jean, my future wife, you know, I'd seen this movie all the time. So I, hate, I said, hey, Jean, have you ever seen the movie Back to the Future? She said, no, I've never seen that movie, but I read about it in my textbook in middle school. I thought, oh my goodness, that made me feel really old. In fact, Jean had not yet been born when this movie was released in 1985. So that made me feel old as well. Now, back to my sermon. I needed that uh, explained to me as a little kid. I needed that help. And it's the same with the disciples. Jesus, he has said these things again and again. He patiently and carefully had explained that he was going to die. He was going to rise on the third day. But they still just kind of were not getting it. So he had to open their minds. And then this is what it says right after that. It says he was going to open their minds to the scriptures. And he said, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer. And on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. 
So if you kind of summarize that or filter it down to the main points, Jesus was saying, look, all of the Hebrew scriptures, the Moses, the lawgiver, the prophets, they all were pointing to these three facts that the Christ was going to suffer, that he was going to rise on the third day, and that this truth, this repentance for the forgiveness of sins, would be proclaimed to all nations. Now, in our scripture, it's just one sentence that said he opened their minds to the scriptures. And then we just kind of move on like that just happened instantly. But of course, he would have shown them the scriptures to do that. Would have taken maybe a few hours to unpack that. I'd like to do a mini version of that in just a few minutes. I'd like to unpack a few scriptures. We don't know which ones he pointed to, but we can guess. And so I'd like to use this as an outline. First, he would have shown that the Christ would suffer. There's no better place to show that than the book of Isaiah especially chapter 53. So perhaps he went there and quoted these verses. Isaiah 53, 3 and following, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. It always amazes me when I read these verses from Isaiah. I'm always... um, again and again struck by the fact that these were written 700 years, not 30 years, 700 years before Christ lived and died. And yet they show so clearly that the Christ, the Messiah, was going to be a suffering Messiah. Not a political hero, not a war hero. He was going to suffer on our behalf and we would receive healing through that suffering. Now, the second thing on Jesus' outline here is that the Messiah would rise on the third day. And this one is actually quite a bit harder. There's no verse in the Old Testament that you can point to that says Jesus was going to rise on the third day. But there are a few that kind of allude to this. For example, there's Psalm 16, verse 10. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. Another one also is Hosea chapter 6. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. But perhaps the clearest example in the Old Testament of the idea that the Messiah would rise on the third day is actually the whole book of Jonah. Jonah, as you would recall, was descending throughout the book. First he descended to the the docks, and then he descended into the ship, and then finally he descended into the belly of a fish for three days. But then that fish spit him out. Uh, The Hebrews literally vomited Jonah out onto dry land. 
When Jesus was growing weary of the Pharisees constantly asking him for a sign, for a miracle, something to confirm his status as a prophet, he said, I will give no sign to this wicked generation except for they will see the sign of Jonah because I will go into the earth for three days and then I will come back again. Now for the third thing on this list, Jesus was saying that the Old Testament had confirmed was that this message would go forth to all nations. And nations here means people group, ethnic group, cultural, linguistic, tribe. That prophecy, well, that starts in the very beginning. Even in the book of Genesis, when God is establishing his covenant with Abraham, he tells Abraham, uh, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Through that seed of Abraham, which led to David and the line of kings, and then led to this root of Jesse that we call the Christ, the Son of God, that all peoples on earth, Korea, Japanese, Chinese, that all peoples would be blessed. Or perhaps Jesus went to Isaiah again, chapter 2, where it says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established, the highest of the mountains, and it will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. It is always amazing to me to know that the Christian church exists in every nation on earth. That there are people worshiping God, even if it's just a small number, there are people worshiping God every single country in the world. Or perhaps Jesus went to this book, Malachi chapter 1. It says, My name will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. All of this stuff, it was there all along. Jesus' disciples knew these passages well. They were deeply immersed in the scriptures. But they were like small children. They, they couldn't quite understand. They couldn't quite wrap their minds around how it all fit together. When Jesus rose again, then he showed them how it all fit together. And for us, it means we also continually need to have our Lord open our minds to these truths as well. The disciples, they were, they were startled and frightened to see Jesus on that day, the risen Jesus. But in our case, maybe the problem is more that it's so easy to be distracted, so easy to be bored, so easy to have the cares of this world uh, kind of drown out the things of God. It's easy to just not be amazed at all when we think of the risen Lord, that it be a story from 2,000 years ago that applies little to our lives today. At least that's the case until something shakes us, until something reminds us of the evil around us in this world. Something that makes us ask the question, why are things like this? How is it that people can be this cruel? And then we have to ask, what is the answer to all of this that we observe? All of this evil and the sin that surrounds. 
The answer is there. It's in the scriptures. The answer has been there all along. If we're willing to have our minds opened, willing to have Christ open them for us. There was a suffering Christ. He rose from the dead on the third day. And this is meant to be told to everyone, every nation, every language, every tribe. That is what they got for an answer on that night as they huddled together, worried, frightened. And that is the same answer that we need today, 2,000 years later. Nothing has changed. We are no different from them. We still need a suffering Messiah. We still need a rising Messiah. And we still need to have that proclaimed for the repentance and the forgiveness of sins to all people. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.